quick on this, but we're talking about various aspects of the use of the rod in Scripture. For those of you that weren't here, we had many who were at the East Texas weekend. But one of the, one of the statements that we used in discussing the rod was the, a measuring rod that's talked about in, uh, in Revelation 11 to measure, uh, to measure the, uh, the, the space, uh, a unit of measurement, to measure the space that would be appointed to the, times, uh, to the Gentiles uh, during the time of the Gentiles in, in the last uh, three and a half years. So that, that was one element. The second element that we talked about was what we see uh, before us today, this, this implement uh, to thresh wheat that would normally be done on the threshing floor. So they've got that, and, and with that, they slap down, and it, and it threshes the wheat, separates the leaves and everything from, from the wheat, and then, and, and then also then you use that winnowing fan to, to pick that up and, and throw it up in the air, and the, the chaff blows away, and what you have left is the grain the grain that you, you use and the grain that, that is usable. And we talked about how we as, as God's people are, are uh, often going through this, this threshing process of life and all the different kinds of analogies that God gives us in Scripture, be it, be it the refiner's fire or, or uh, finding out what is uh, as we're put into the fiery furnace of life and the challenges that we face, the, the, uh, the, uh, to find out what's wood hay and stubble and what's precious uh, in God's eyes and what truly has uh, importance and also the the winnowing of of separating as we know as it says in the end time uh, when when Christ returns and and into the judgment period of separating the the wheat from the chaff Uh, and and then lastly uh, we talked about uh, passing under the rod, and we'll, we'll put this next one up if you could, Mr. Bryan. So we've got uh, the, shepherd's, the shepherd's staff, and, and one of the things that uh, a, a shepherd would use is, is use it as a, a passing under the rod of, in terms of tithing. So you've got your animals that are going under the rod, and the tenth one is the one that, that comes under the rod that is pulled aside and used for holy purposes uh, for, for, that, for that tithe. And we read a, a passage in the book of Ezekiel that discusses how God uh, gathers Israel back in the millennium and, and causes, in a sense, causes Israel to pass under the rod and Israel becomes his. He, he takes them back. They are designed for his holy purpose to begin to be this example for all of mankind as the millennium begins. In type, we are uh, we have passed under the rod, and we've been we've been chosen by God. We are His chosen people now, chosen for His purpose to be living sacrifices to Him. So uh, that was uh, it in a nutshell. In four minutes or less. Uh, so now we'll keep this same uh, same picture up, and we'll come come to our fourth implement here, a fourth way of describing that as we continue to look at this this subject of the rod that goes from Genesis to Revelation. And let's go to Psalm 23. We've heard of this passage, Psalm 23, as it discusses uh, this in detail. We won't spend a lot of time on on this one. We'll uh, spend most of our time on on the final point today, another aspect of the rod. We looked at uh, different 
Hebrew words that are sometimes translated rod, and this is one uh, that is, it's the Hebrew word uh, shebet, uh, or shebet, I, I believe is how it's uh, uh, pronounced. Psalm 23, Psalm 23, breaking into the the Psalm of David here, of the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23, verse 4, of what this, this shepherd's staff, this, this shepherd's implement that he carries uh, is used for, how, how it's used, and, and for what purpose, and, and what does it, what, how does it help uh, his people? How does it help his sheep? Verse 4, yea, I, yea, I, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death... I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The shepherd is with his sheep, as we see in the, in, in the slide. You, you, uh, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He is, he is with us. He is with the sheep. And, and as the sheep see the rod and the staff, as they, as they see that, uh, it, it gives them comfort. Now, how, how, does, it, how does it give them comfort? Comfort. Do we see uh, the rod and the staff that uh, that our chief shepherd Jesus Christ uh, carries about as we are with the flock? It's an interesting word uh, or or two words here: uh, your rod and your staff. Uh, I'll, I'll read from a couple of different uh, commentaries and. That, that speak to these words. I, I'm not certain I know exactly uh, and it, what what is being referenced here, other than uh, talking about some of the different viewpoints that, that might be going on here. Uh, Shebet is, is from uh, an unused root, probably meaning uh, to branch off. That is literally a stick uh, that, or, or a staff or, or, or uh, a rod that is used here. Jameson Fawcett and Brown uh, talks about uh, thy rod, uh, Shebet, and thy staff, Mishnah, literally walking stick, uh, are symbols of the shepherd's office. This, this, uh, this staff and, and this walking stick that they have. Now, Barnes notes uh, states this. Uh, it may not be easy to mark the difference between these two words, but they would seem probably to refer to the latter, uh, to the staff, which the shepherd used in walking, and the former to the crook, which a shepherd used uh, for guiding his flock. The image is that of a shepherd in attendance on his flock, with a staff on which he leans one hand, and, and in the other hand, the crook or the rod, which was the symbol for, for his office. Either of these might be used to guard the flock or to drive uh, off enemies of the flock. The crook is said uh, to, to have been used to seize the legs of the sheep or goats when they're disposed to run away and, and grab them and thus keep them with the flock. The shepherd invariably carries a rod or a staff with him when he goes forth to feed his flock. It's often bent or hooked at one end, but with this staff he rules and he guides the flock to their green pastures. He defends them from their enemies, and with it he also corrects them when they're disobedient and brings them back when wandering. Uh, so are they talking about, when it says your rod and your staff, two separate implements? Uh, could it also be, as uh, the Expositor's Bible 
mentions, the rod and staff seem to be two names for one instrument. And sometimes we see that in Scripture. We'll, they'll say this and they'll say this, and they're meaning the one, the one item, but they say it two different ways. It could be that, the, the, the rod, the staff, the, the one that, the, the, I'm pointing up here. You, what am I pointing? I see a screen right here, sorry, right here, that, that you see. Uh, it could be just the one that, that, is, it, that is both a rod and a staff. It, 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 could, be, it could be that. I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not certain, as, as they're, they're saying here as well, which was both used to beat off predatory animals and to direct the sheep. The two synonyms and the appended pronoun expressed by their, expressed by their redundancy the full confidence of the, of the psalmist in what, in what he sees uh, is the, the shepherd does with this. And I'll, I'll mention this one as well. Adam Clark, in his commentary, makes this statement. So this, this is what leaves me with, I don't know exactly... What, what they're meaning, but I know there is at least an implement here that does these things. Adam Clark says, we're not to suppose that by the rod correction necessarily is meant in this case. There is no uh, idea of this kind either in the text or in the original word, nor has it this meaning in any part of scripture. Besides, correction and chastisement do not comfort. They are not, at least for the present, joyous, but they're grievous, as Hebrews says. Nor can any person look forward to them with comfort. They abuse the text, who paraphrase rod as, as being used for correction in, in this particular uh, statement in the Psalms. Uh, so the other, the other again, they, they term it uh, as, as something to rest on, as a, a staff, a crutch, a stave, or, or, or whatever. So... Uh, Anyway, I, I, I don't know exactly. I don't know if, if he's meaning here that in Psalm 23 that it, it can also not only, I mean, we obviously would see what he uses the staff to guide and direct him, to pull them out of trouble, uh, to, to beat off uh, wolves or ravenous wolves or, or, or animals that would attack the sheep. Uh, is he also referencing here that, that uh, the person could be comforted by the staff, even if the person or, or the sheep is, is corrected by, by receiving the rod of the staff. I, I don't know that I could be as, as uh, adamant as, as Clark says that it cannot be that, uh, saying that the, the rod and correction never comforts us. I have been comforted at times by being corrected. <laughs> I remember times of, of, my, of my parents uh, when, when I was corrected for something and, and knowing that I was under their guidance and through that correction uh, received the, the clearance of guilt by receiving the punishment and, and brought, in a sense, back into the flock. So uh, I, don't, I don't know all of, all of which, which exactly it would be, but but I think there is there is enough evidence to see what the psalmist, what David here is saying that I have a shepherd who has his staff, this this implement that he uses to protect me and to and to provide for me and to keep me safe, and and through that I am comforted. Uh, do we recognize that, and do we see the role of 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 the rod in that respect? Okay, let's, let's go to our final one today, which we're going to spend a good bit of time on. And uh, that is the next slide, if we could. Uh, we'll see one there. That is, a, that is another example of what we see in the Old Testament of a rod. Let's uh, go one more, 
one more picture, and we'll look at that. Here we see the king sitting on his throne, and he's got the scepter. He's got the rod. The Bible speaks of that rod and how it is used. Let's, uh, let's go to Genesis 49. Genesis 49. Genesis 49 uh, is fascinating passage of scripture that we've, we've covered, different folks who've spoken here over the last several years and, and for years in the church have talked about the various roles that these tribes of Israel, uh, of how things would befall them in the last days. And we come to the this, this story of Judah. Uh, and Judah, this, this uh, lion's whelp, has an area here of discussion that that deals with the the rod, the rule, the scepter. Genesis 49, let's jump ahead to verse 9. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter, the scepter and in the symbol of kingship, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. As we looked in our, in the various uh, books that the church uh, through the years has, has produced in terms of discussing the United States, Britain, and the Commonwealth and prophecy. We, we recognize that uh, the, the blessings as we get over in the latter part of Genesis 49 of, of what would befall Joseph, but it, but it says, you know, with Ephraim and Manasseh and all of that, but it also talks about the scepter line not departing from Judah. The scepter line came through David. David was of the tribe of Judah. And, and when we've got the daughters of Zedekiah that are spared in, in, in the 580s B.C., and, and uh, King Zedekiah is, is killed, his eyes are put out, and then he's killed. After, his eyes are put out after he sees his sons killed. But we've got these daughters of Zedekiah that, of the line that, that are with Jeremiah that we see throughout the story of Jeremiah, and they're, and they're uh, protected and then all the history of them going up into the British Isles. And, and we believe that we see this line uh, of, of Judah continuing to rule even over, over the Israelite tribes as we see them being sifted through Europe and into, into the, to the British Isles, as particularly in speaking of Ephraim, uh, that, that we have as, as the ruler over them, folks that have descended from from Zedekiah's line, the, the Teotephi, the daughters of Zedekiah, uh, all of that continuing, and, and that there would be that line until Shiloh comes, speaking of Jesus Christ's uh, ultimate uh, return here uh, to this earth. So, so the scepter line, the symbol of kingship, the, the, the symbol of legitimate authority is an aspect of this rod, the, uh, the scepter, the shebet, uh, shall not depart from Judah. Look at, look at an example of this, of, of this, again, of the authority that God uses the rod to demonstrate. Let's go to Numbers 17. Numbers 17, some of you are ahead of me with this, but Numbers 17 We've had the rebellion of Korah, Dathan, Abiram, uh, and, uh, and, and uh, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, and, and what happened to them in, in their rebellion. Let's go to Numbers uh, 17, verse 1. 
The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and get from them a rod from each, of, uh, each father's house. All their leaders, according to their, their, house, their father's houses, get, get twelve rods. Write each man's name on his rod, and you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi. For there shall be one rod for the head of each father's house. Then you shall place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony. Testimony, speaking of the Ten Commandments. So bring, bring these rods in and place them there. Uh, they're right before the tabernacle. So he says here, where, where, the place where I meet with you. Verse 5, and it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom. And thus I'll rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel, which they make against you. Who are you to take this on, Moses, and, and, and this tribe, and this and that? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll make it known, and I'll make it known through the rod, the rod being the, the scepter, the, the symbol of, of the leadership. Uh, and in this case, the, the symbol and the, the, the understanding where God makes it clear who is running this show, who, who is handling the the service in the tabernacle, who is working through the priesthood in terms of, of, of that uh, in going forward. So he says here, so Moses took the children of Israel and each of their leaders gave him a rod apiece for each leader according to their father's houses, 12 rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses placed the rods before the eternal in the tabernacle of witness. Verse 8, now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness and behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds, uh, had produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out the rods from before the eternal to all the children of Israel, and they looked, and each man took his rod. And the Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels that you may put their complaints away from me, lest they die. So they did this. Uh, as just as the Lord commanded, so they did. So the children of Israel, in seeing all this and this incredible miracle that God provided, verse 12, it says here, uh, so the children of Israel spoke to Moses saying, well, surely we're all going to die. We, we perish. We all perish. Who even comes near the tabernacle of the eternal must die. Shall we all utterly die? So anyway, he, he talks about this scepter this, this scepter of, of, of legitimate rule uh, that was demonstrated for them to, to show that he was working through them. Think about uh, Moses' use of the rod and how God worked through that. And now let's think about Moses' misstep. Let's go there. Uh, numbers, numbers 20. Numbers 20. God uh, had told uh, Moses to use the rod in different ways. And in this case, he had him use the rod in a certain way. He instructed him to use the rod in a certain way. Moses, uh, let's see, num numbers, uh, numbers 20, verse 8. If you turn to Moses, you won't find it. Uh, so turn to Numbers. Numbers 20, numbers 20 verse 8. Eight. So he says, take the rod. Moses, uh, the eternal spoke to Moses saying, take the rod. You and your brother Aaron gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock this time. You're, you're taking the rod. You're holding the rod, this symbol of, of your authority. Uh, 
and, and speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield the water. Moses took the rod from before the eternal as he commanded Moses. He, Moses and Aaron gathered the, the assembly together. Here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. Water came out abundantly. God honored that, and the congregation and their animals drank. And then the Lord spoke to Moses, because you did not believe me, to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Uh, so we, we see, again, this, this authority that was given to Moses, and God had him use the rod, as in holding it, as a symbol of his authority as he was to speak, with the, uh, speak to the rock. He was given him that, but Moses misused that. He misused that, the rod that he was given, and it's important for us, any, anybody that has the rod, be, the, be you as the parent, as mom, or, or dad who have the rod of authority, or, or a, a person in in any kind of supervisory role over someone else, when we have the rod, it's, it's very important for us to operate within the bounds of authority that God has given us, each of us, through the rod that, that, that we hold. Another passage, another background passage, before we kind of get into the nitty-gritty of, of the meaning, not only today but into the future, uh, let's go to Esther the book of Esther, uses it throughout. Uh, and in, in this case, the king, Esther was the wife of the king, had a scepter. The scepter was the, the symbol of his authority. And we know the story of Esther and what happened and the, the role that the, the scepter played in that. Esther 4, verse 9. So Hathach returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Esther spoke to Hathach and gave him a command from Mordecai. All the king's servants and all the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called has but one law. That person is to be put all, put all those people to death except to the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live, the symbol of his authority. He is using that, and he is sparing that person's life who has come to him unbidden. And here she is. She's told to, to do this and uh, on behalf of uh, the Jews that are about to be killed by this edict that the king made by being deceived by Haman. Uh, so... That he may live, and, and yet I myself, Esther says, I haven't been called to go before the king for 30 days. Mordecai spoke, uh, he, he said to Esther, uh, they told Mordecai Esther's words, verse 13. So Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Don't think in your heart that you're going to escape in the king's palace any more than all the rest of the Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, Esther, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So Esther told them <coughs> to reply to Mordecai, gather all the Jews and let's end fast for me in this. Uh, don't eat or drink for three days. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I'll go to the king, which is against the law. And, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai did this and uh, 
according to all that Esther commanded. Verse 1 of chapter 5. Now it happened on the third day that Esther put on the royal robes. She stood in the inner court of the king's palace, and she did this. She, she came and to face, face the entrance of the house. Verse 2. So it was the king then Caesar, and she's, she's hoping that he extends the scepter. If he doesn't extend the scepter, he, he, that is the power and uh, uh, the symbol of, of his authority to, to grant that to her. She dies. And, and what does he do? It says, uh, so it was when the queen stood in the court that she found favor in his sight, and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. What do you want? You want half the kingdom? It's yours. Uh, so she, she was in, in grand uh, favor with him. But an incredible act of faith. But she recognized, for, for our purposes of our discussion today, here's another example of the symbolism uh, of what holding that scepter and, and having that king hold that scepter, what that means. We look forward now. We look forward into uh, the role of Jesus Christ moving towards uh, his return. And let's, let's look at that now. Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1. So as we're continuing with uh, not only the standard of measurement, the implement to thresh wheat, the shepherd's staff, we come to this, this scepter or this rod that in, in one respect, it, it represents a figurative uh, or, a, or a symbol, it's symbolic, of a person's authority. But there's also a, a literal element uh, to this rod and what the rod uh, does in, in, a, in a literal sense. We'll get to that here in just a second. But uh, Hebrews 1, Hebrews 1, starting in verse 8, we'll read verses 8 and 9, I believe. Hebrews 1 Hebrews 1, verse 8. But to the Son, and rightly capitalized here in the New King James, speaking of Jesus Christ, to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness, the symbol of God's rulership and authority. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. It is the the rod of, of your kingdom, the ruler's staff. That, that Jesus Christ holds. It is a, a, a staff, and it is a staff of righteousness. The scepters, a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved, speaking of Christ, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. You know, we think about it. We think, think about the future. We talk about this every year at the feast. We'll, we'll be kings and priests, priest-kings, king-priests ruling. We will, we will have uh, those scepters ourselves, uh, and they will be scepters of righteousness, uh, a sign of, of our authority in, in service to God in, in the leadership roles that, that he places uh, those who are his, his eternal family members that he's, he's changed to be a part of the family of God, the God family. He's bringing them in, and they are in that role, and it will be a rulership of righteousness, the scepter of his kingdom, because he loved righteousness and he hated lawlessness. Do we love righteousness and, and hate lawlessness? It speaks to uh, something to which we strive to attain. 
Segwaying now into the literal use of this, of this rod, this scepter, let's look at 1 Corinthians 4. Paul was, as we know the story of, of what happened in 1 Corinthians, he was dealing with all kinds of issues, and it was very challenging to have to go through these with them to help them see this, obviously for their benefit. But, but he puts, he puts a, a question before them. Uh, what, do, what do you want here? I, uh, this is how I want to come before you. This is how I want to work with you. This is how I want, want to help and serve. Uh, but but it, it's, it's, in a sense, it's, it's kind of up to you here. He's saying in terms of how he deals with things. This is right in the middle of, of leading up to the Days of Unleavened Bread here as he's dealing with them being puffed up. He says in verse 18 of chapter 4, he says, Now some, some are puffed up as though I were not coming uh, to you. Verse 19, But I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. So Paul then says to him, he says, Okay, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want here? How, how, do, you want, how do you want me to come to you? Uh, do you want me, uh, shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? There, there is a time for the rod. Now, obviously, in, in terms of, of how we, we interact, God, God has, God and Christ, um, who, can, who can hide us from the wrath of God? Who can hide us from the wrath of the Lamb, as is talked about in Revelation? There is, there is a godly wrath and and but it is all done in in godly love and uh, but there is sometimes a situation where a rod is needed and 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 sometimes to come in in a very very gentle way uh, the the rod and the staff they comfort me as we we talked about the uh, the shepherd's role here, this, this, this chief shepherd. But he says, I, I can come in two different ways, and I'll come in the way that, that needs to be done. But his hope here was that they received what he uh, was giving them so he would not to come, have to come metaphorically with a rod. Uh, we know that when, when Christ returns, and let's begin to uh, ad- address that as we move into the, the literal uh, representation here, Christ is coming with a rod, and it is a rod of iron. Proverbs 10, Proverbs 10, shall I come to you with, uh, in a spirit of gentleness or with a rod? Proverbs 10. Proverbs 10, verse 13. Did I get that right? Proverbs 10, yes. Proverbs 10, verse 13. Wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding, but a rod is for the back of him who is devoid of understanding. Sometimes, uh, that, you know, in, in a rebellious state, uh, acting in a foolish state, a rod is, is used as an implement to, to uh, right the situation. Punishment uh, sometimes needs to take place. It is for uh, the back of a fool uh, as is needed. Psalm 2 speaks about the nations uh, that are, are conniving in different ways 
Uh, I, every time I read Psalm 2, I think about God sitting on his throne now, Christ at his right hand, looking down upon everything that they're seeing. And they're seeing uh, the, the North Korean uh, un, uh, talking about, you know, flexing his muscles about how he's going to come after uh, South Korea for South Korea's uh, actions. They are his uh, nemesis. Uh, and and he's flexing his muscles with his his bombs that he's created of late. China working their angles uh, in in all the various economic systems, trying to shift the dollar to to a, a different form of currency, buying here and there, pressing uh, on in, in uh, East Asia in the various uh, sea routes and and such. Always looking at tai, Taiwan. And again, doing everything that they can to, to create this, this time to where they become the superpower. Uh, Russia doing what Russia is doing. The whole disinformation, what is true, what is really happening with Ukraine, Russia. Where's the corruption? Where's the, the rightness in all of that? All that we see going on with Israel and, and, uh, and Hamas, Palestine, all, uh, all, of, all of that situation, Gaza. And and just trying to get to the heart of, of what is really happening. Who, who is really, quote, right in this situation? Who is not? Now, all of these things that we see going on and what the nations are doing and the way that they're angling here for influence. So we come to Psalm 2, and, and we read, verse 1, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a, a vain thing? Well, yeah, it is vain. It's, it's, it's futile of, of what they're doing. Uh, God sees it all. God, God allows what he allows. The kings of the earth set themselves and, and the rulers take counsel together. Uh, they set themselves in different positions and, and negotiating and working angles here and there with, with various uh, countries to create greater influence. Uh, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces. Let us cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens, as, as God looks down upon all of this, he laughs. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and, and, and distress them in his deep displeasure. I, I, I did not state the United States in that. I, I think he looks down and laughs uh, in, in uh, and, and even holds, holds our country in derision in the way that our country is, is, is turned from God in so many ways and, and sees these groups trying to push this influence here and this political party here and this here and we can work this out and do this and do this and if we say this this way and if we will protect this person but we'll lambast this person and this side will protect this person and excuse his, his or her things and, and, and lambast this and all these, these things that are, that are going on. Where is the we must serve our God who created us in his image to be like him. Uh, we must walk in his ways. If we humble ourselves before him, he will lift us up. Where is that? It's not there. And we don't, we don't condemn society for that. They haven't been given the truth. But, but God sits, up, sits on his throne and he sees all of this. Uh, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. And then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. 
Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The eternal has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, speaking of Christ, and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. God will break down the nations at at, at Christ's return. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the eternal with fear and rejoice with trembling. Is that happening now? You know, no. Uh, Mr. Frank's most recent uh, letter uh, to the members just talks about all that's going on on all these levels. Where, where, where is this? Where is the uh, be instructed, you, you judges of the earth, serve the eternal with fear, rejoice with trembling, kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is but a little kindled. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. He will dash the nations uh, like a potter's vessel. He'll break them with a rod of iron. We won't turn there, but uh, Isaiah eleven four talks about uh, use the word uses the word shebet again that he'll strike that he'll strike the earth with the rod of his mouth as as Christ uh, as Christ return and with the breath of his lips he'll slay. The wicked. Let's let's do go to a passage here in Revelation two. So I think Revelation two and Revelation nine nineteen give us give us even a little bit more about this this actual implement that that he uses that he strikes with a rod of iron that that Jesus Christ as uh, with the rod of. Of, of his mouth. Uh, obviously, we know in Revelation 19 it talks about the sword that that comes out out of his mouth that he strikes the nation, but literally uses this this uh, this rabdos r h a b d o s this stick wand cudgel cane baton royalty rod scepter staff used in different different means, but in this case it appears to be this rod or this scepter that he uses to uh, rule the nations and and to strike the nations revelation two revelation two verse verse twenty seven it's all something that was interesting we'll get to here in just a second revelation two verse twenty seven message to Thyatira here as he tells them in verse twenty five to hold fast what you have till I come verse twenty six he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end to that individual, I will give power over the nations. And then he quotes Psalm 2. He quotes Psalm 2 that we, we read already. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed uh, to pieces like the potter's vessels, as I have also received from my father, and, and I will give him the morning star. So we see Christ in that role. He sees, he sees those of us who overcome in that role. Look at Revelation 19 now. Revelation 19, as we see the events happening as Christ returns and, and defeats the armies of Satan. Uh, Revelation 19, verse 15. Revelation 19, verse 15. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with the rod of iron. He himself treads the wine presses of the fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God. And he has on his robe 
and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Okay, so, so looking at all that, we've got, we've got the rod of iron that is used. And then it says, uh, then it says he rules with a rod of iron. Here's, here's what I found that, that was interesting. In, in, uh, in Vine's expository of New Testament, Old New Testament words, the Greek word there for rule, uh, he, will, he will rule them with a rod of iron, rule, rule over them with this rod. The word rule from Vine's expository is poimeno, poimeno, uh, P-O-I-M-A-I-N-O. And here's the definition of how Christ rules them with a rod of iron. Rule means to, to act as a shepherd, to tend flocks. So when, you know, when, I read, when I read Revelation 19.15 and I, and I see all the statements that are being used, he'll, he'll you know, strike them with the, this sharp sword coming out of his mouth and he'll rule them with this rod of iron. Uh, what uh, Vines brings out, and I, and I think there, there's a, a really strong case to be made uh, by that, it's talking as, as, as he rules that there is, there is a firmness in, in his rulership. Uh, there will be a way to live and a way not to live. It will not be freedom of religion. Just do whatever you want to do. And that's what makes our country great. <laughs> it's, it, this is a different, a different system. Jesus Christ comes in. He rules them in righteousness. He rules them with, a, with, a, with, with the rod of iron. But the rulership is to act as a shepherd all indicating the governing power exercised by the shepherd to be of a firm character. But it's critical for us to come back and think about him ruling. How is he ruling? He rules as a shepherd. He rules as a shepherd who loves his flock, who sees all in his flock, and, and who is, is striving to, to go after the one in the flock that is, that is, is uh, drifting away, to pull them, to to them and to keep them together to protect them. Uh, this is the way this, this king, this lion of Judah, comes back and rules. Uh, he defeats them with, with the, with, in his wrath, but he defeats them in righteousness and in love for all of mankind. And then as his rulership begins, he does it as a shepherd in firmness. So, so, so stepping, stepping back from that, Let's go to Matthew 2. Matthew 2. When we think of, of Jesus Christ, when we think of, of how he is the chief shepherd of the church, do we, do we look to his rulership? Do we look to his firmness of character, his clarity of truths? And, and do we see ourselves finding comfort in coming under that that rod, that, that staff that uh, the king of kings has, that, that staff that the shepherd over his sheep cares for us and, and, and helps us along and pulls us here to keep us together so that he can guide us to green pastures to feed. And do we, are we comforted by that? Do we see that? Do we allow that shepherd to, to do that? Or do we fight against it? critical for us as, as we go forward. Here's the prophecy of, of Jesus Christ. 
Matthew 2, let's start in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. Of course, we know Herod's got uh, ulterior motives here. When he heard this, uh, he was troubled. Uh, I've got somebody that's coming after my throne here. This is, this is dangerous for me. I've got to protect my, my, uh, my power. Uh, he, was, he was troubled. Uh, and all Jerusalem with him. Verse 4, And when he gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them, Well, where is this anointed uh, that is to be born? Or where, where, where the Christ was to be born? Verse 5, So they said to him, Well, in Bethlehem, of course, you know, of Judea. This, thus it is written by the prophet. But, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not, are not the least among the rulers of, of Judah? For out of you shall come a ruler, here they, they will rule them with a rod of iron, who will shepherd my people Israel. This, this king was, was coming, and he had come, and that was his first coming. This king is coming back a second time. He's coming back as the Lion of Judah, and he is coming back to rule as a shepherd. He will shepherd Israel. And through shepherding Israel, as the world begins to come to that understanding, and as he uses Israel as that model, he he moves into shepherdship over all the nations. This, This wonderful, loving, caring shepherd of all of his creation. We'll finish uh, today by looking in the book of Micah. I want to read several passages from, from Micah. We talked before about that we would come back and address some aspects of parenting in, in this message. As, as we look at the bigger picture of the rod, there, there are some elements there that are are available for us to understand of what's going on in parenting as well as God the parent, uh, Jesus Christ as the elder brother who, who parents and shepherds Israel does. And I, I think there's, there's merit in that, and we'll, we'll come to that here in just a second. But we'll go to Micah 4 first. Micah 4. Just the Bible has so many, so many analogies and and ways for us to to even greater understand who this God is and and how He and, and Christ work with us. I, I'm always fascinated by that, and I think the rod is another example of that. Let's go to Micah four. Um, we'll start in verse one. Micah four verse one. This is millennial, isn't it? Same uh, parallels Isaiah 2. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the, the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. Many nations shall flow to it. Many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. Let's come to the house of the God of Jacob. 
That's where he is. He'll teach us his ways, we'll, and we shall walk in his ways. For out of Zion is where the law goes forth, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He'll judge between peoples, rebuke strong nations afar off. They'll beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation won't be lifting sword up against nation anymore and learning war. But everyone shall sit under his vine and his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. For all people walk each in the name of his God, but we will walk in the name of the eternal, our God, forever and ever. Now, verse 6 talks about him gathering the remnant and, and, and bringing them back in, in this time of the millennium. Let's, let's pick it up here in verse 6. In that day, says the Lord, I will assemble the lame. I'll gather the outcast and those whom I have afflicted. I'll make the lame a remnant, and I'll make this, this outcast, these few that are left that have been cast out the nations, I'm going to make them a strong nation. For the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from now on, even forever. And you, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, to you it shall come to pass, even the former dominion shall come, the kingdom of the daughter of, of Jerusalem. So, so why do you cry aloud? Why, why is there no king in your midst? Has, has your counselor perished? For pangs have seized you like a woman in labor. Be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in birth pangs. For, you, for now you shall go forth from the city, you shall dwell in the field, and to Babylon you shall go. And there you shall be delivered. There the Lord will redeem you from the hand of your enemies. Now look at verse, verse 11. Uh, that was depicting the time when Israel, uh, the southern kingdom, would go into captivity with Babylon. Uh, but notice the, the, the turn here. Notice the end time uh, reference here of verse 11. So, you know, the verse, first part of uh, Micah 4, he's talking about the millennium. He talks about in verses 6 through, through 10, dealing with what they were... Uh, to face then, and, and then we see in verse 11 an end time reference again. Now also many nations have gathered against you who say, Let her be defiled, and let our eye look upon Zion. But they did not know the thoughts of, of the eternal, nor do they understand his counsel. Notice what it says here. He will gather them, he will gather them like sheaves to the threshing floor. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make your horn iron, and I will make your hooves bronze. You shall beat in many pieces the peoples. So he's talking about in, in, the, in the future, as, as, they're, as they're brought back, Zion, uh, Israel, is, is brought into a position of, of power. Uh, and he says, I'll consecrate their gain to the Lord and their substance to the whole, whole earth. So... Uh, so now verse, verse 1 of chapter 5. Now gather yourself in troops, O daughter of troops. He has laid siege against us. They will strike the judge of Israel with a rod, of, uh, uh, with a rod on the cheek. Uh, most think about this as, as not necessarily of Christ, but of, of what would happen to the, the last king, Zedekiah, in that age. But then he jumps forward into the millennium. Verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, of everlasting. Therefore he shall give them up 
until the time that she who is in labor has given birth, and then the remnant of, 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 the, of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel, and he, here's this shepherd again, this shepherd with his staff that is ruling, he shall stand and feed, or as the margin renders there, shepherd, he shall stand and shepherd his flock. He'll do it in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. For they shall abide, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and this one shall be peace. Micah uh, speaks to the time uh, of Jesus Christ, this returning shepherd that shepherds his people and strikes the nations to, to rule over his people and shepherd them and strengthen them as, as then it goes on out to the world and, and creates a peace in contrast to what Satan the adversary had been doing. We've got uh, one final passage uh, to which we look today. I want to ask us as we think about what we've covered. We've, we've, we've talked about the measurement We've talked about passing under the rod. We've talked about how the rod and staff of the shepherd comforts us. We, talk about, we talked about how the scepter, the rod, is used to demonstrate or as a symbol of, of Christ's authority, of God's authority. Uh, and, and also we've talked about the way the rod will literally be used uh, to, to, uh, to rule over, over the nations. Parenting-wise, what, what are the analogies? Uh, we'll go through these quickly, but the, the standard of measurement, the rod that we read in, in Revelation 11, God gives us a standard of measurement of, of, of how to, to parent. It's, it's very clear. It's, it's measured. We use his word to parent. Uh, our, children, our children are, are called by God. Uh, they, we, we believe that, as, as Acts 2.39 states, as 1 Corinthians 7 states, as, as we are, are God's people, as God is working through us, our children are, are holy to God. They have, they have passed under the rod. They are special to God. They are in a special category to God. It's, it's our role, and it's our, our blessing and a wonderful opportunity for us to, to teach them that, and that, that they have fallen under the rod. And, and we, know, we know as parents, we know that we do the best we can. We teach them God's way, and we, we, we teach them how Jesus Christ is our chief shepherd that looks after us. And, and they still, as they reach that, that age of, of adulthood, they, they have decisions that they need to make. And, and they may make decisions that, that tend to go in a direction that are, that, or definitely go in a direction that are not God's way. Uh, and, and others... Others walk in that and, and commit to that right away. We know that God the Father and, and Jesus Christ as the shepherd knows, knows, knows their flock and they know all of mankind who is ultimately their flock. And they love every single person. And, and we know that the shepherd in, in his time will, will bring everybody to that point. To, to where it is, uh, it becomes very clear to them whether they're going to turn back to God. 
I know as, as parents we have many who have had situations where we long for our children who we, whom we know we taught God's way. We taught them that. We, they, we were clear with that. We've lived that way of life, and yet we've seen them make some of the decisions that they've made. That's the, the beauty of, of choice. Uh, that's the beauty of, of the calling of God. That's the beauty of, of, of the process of God and his patience allowing them to come to a point uh, to where they will need to make that decision. And God hasn't, God hasn't cast them aside to be burned up in the lake of fire. We know that. We know that. He is an incredibly merciful God, and he loves, his, he, he loves all of mankind. And he will continue to, to pull them back when, in, in his right time. And, and they'll have that choice as it becomes very clear to them. But, but we, we've got the, the understanding that we as parents now uh, don't shirk our responsibility in, in letting our kids know, you've passed under the rod. You, God has pulled you out and separated you from the world. You are special to him. You are a special, purchased, peculiar people, as First, uh, First Peter 2 tells us. And, and in that way... We, as parents, do not abdicate our authority. Uh, we do not abdicate our responsibility before God to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, as Ephesians 6 tells us. And we also know, as Scripture tells us, that the rod is a, a symbol of our authority as parents and that a rod uh, or an implement can be used sometimes as long as it is done in love and not in, in wrath, not in anger, but that rod can, can be used to discipline, to, to chastise at times. Jesus Christ is, is going to uh, use the rod in, in terms of, of chastisement. There is a role in that. Uh, what's that scripture in... Uh, the in, in Proverbs, if you beat a child with a rod, he, he shall not die. <laughs> you know, you know that, that there there is I mean obviously there is child abuse, there is there is parenting and, and disciplining and chastising in wrath, which is which is uh, a sin. Uh, but we as we as parents as we work with our children, there are some times that we need to use in a sense the rod. We need to use the our, our, our authority that God places in our hands to implement and correct a child's path when a child is acting in foolishness and rebelling against God. And so we use that rod. That rod could be a paddle. It could be a switch. It could be the hand. You know, some, some have said, well, and I've read, read different books on this. Some say, well, never, never use the hand if, if we need to uh, fulfill our role as 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 bearing the rod, the symbol of authority that we should have as parents. Never, never use your hand because your child could associate your, your hand with, with, uh, with always, you know, they see your hand go up, they're thinking, oh, he's going to spank me or something. And, and I, I've, I've read different things. Different folks have said different things. But one, one said, I have never seen that happen with my kids ever. And I, he, said, he said, one of the reasons when I have to use uh, chastisement that he said, I prefer to use, use my hand is because as I use my hand, I feel the sting of that too. And I know the, 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 the power with which I use that. And as I feel that sting, uh, I realize this is how hard I how hard I had to strike the child to get the child to 
correct his thinking or her thinking to turn into obedience. So I don't know that necessarily a rod has to be uh, used or some type of implement. It, it could be the hand. Uh, but as, as it says in Proverbs 22.15, the rod, the shebet of correction, uh, is, 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 as uh, John Rosamond in his book uh, talks about, that he sees that as both figurative and, and, and possibly literal. But, but primarily, the rod of correction is in the role of the, the parent, meaning the authority that the parent has for that child's upbringing. So, so speaking of those things, we, we see uh, that element of, of the use of uh, and the role of the rod as, as parents. Let's turn finally today as we, as we close up the series on, on the understanding of the rod and thinking about the stepping back now again and thinking of the greater, the greater picture of, of how Christ uses this rod to shepherd, to strike, to demonstrate his, to show his authority, to separate to him, to sometimes go through the threshing floor uh, as, as he tries us and uh, allows us to be tried and, and tested, to be refined, to be that, that grain that he takes and, and, and saves for the harvest. This wonderful analogy that he gives us. Back to Micah chapter 7. Micah 7 speaks to how God works with us now, how God work, will work with, with mankind in the millennium, and I think to some degree it also speaks about our role as parents uh, to model that, to help our, our children see God. As Mr. Hector said today in his sermonette, Micah, go to Micah, Micah 7 Verse 14, jumping into millennial language here. Verse 14, shepherd your people with your staff. This is what hopefully we're allowing Jesus Christ to do with his staff with us now. It's what he'll do in the millennium. Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of of your heritage, who dwell solitarily in a woodland in the midst of Carmel. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead as in the days of old, as in the days when you came out of the land of Egypt. I will show them wonders. And take us to, to feed in, in green pastures. Verse 16, the nations shall see and be ashamed of all their might. They shall put their hand over their mouth. Their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent. They shall crawl from their holes like snakes of the earth. They shall be afraid of the eternal our God and shall fear because of you. Who is a God like you? Who is this shepherd that we have like like God that pardons iniquity and passes over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You'll give truth to Jacob and mercy to Abraham, which you've sworn to our fathers from days of old. The rod, the the staff, the scepter, the threshing stick. 
It has a purpose. Let, it, let God do his work through that implement in our lives now as we'll see him do that into the future.